All right, take your Bible, turn to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, we want to continue our thoughts on pathway to peace of mind. How many could use a little more peace of mind during this season? Amen, I know I can. We're going to talk to you from the subject, cast your cares on Jesus. I'll be in 1 Peter 5, we're going to read 5 through 9 in just a moment. Let me set this up. Again, from what we talked about last week, let's, let's just get this straight in our thinking and, and settle in our minds that it's God's will for you to live in peace and joy. Do you believe that? God wants you to live in peace. In fact, when, when the angel spoke of Jesus coming, it said, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Amen? And he's the prince of peace. It's not God's will for you to live in chaos, in confusion, in worry, anxiety, or fear. That is not God's will. Jesus said this in John 10, 10. He said, the thief comes, but to do what? He comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you can have life and have that life more abundantly. Amen? So confusion and chaos and anxiety and fear, that's not abundant living, is it? Jesus came to give us something different. We may even say in modern vernacular, we may say that God wants you happy. I certainly believe that. I believe there's a better Bible word for that. It's called blessed. God wants you to live in the state of blessing. That covers your mind as well. That's what we're kind of dealing with. It covers your mind. So chaos, confusion, worry, and fear are not abundant living. God's will is for you to live in peace and joy. So let's get there. Listen to this in 2 Timothy 1.7. It says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Right? So lay your hands on somebody right there on their head and say, Sound mind, come. <laughs> we, we need that more than ever, don't we? A spirit of fear does not come from God. A spirit of anxiety, a spirit of worry does not come from God. God doesn't want you to respond to life in a spirit of fear. He wants you to respond, respond in this, this spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. He wants that kind of stronghold to rule your life, that no matter what comes, that God is going to give you or make available to you somehow the power to get the job done, that God is going to extend his love and mercy and grace in your situation, and that God wants you to have a mind that's sound. A sound mind is one that just works right, right? And we talked a little bit about this at the end, that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. And we think about the brokenhearted oftentimes when it's, when it's a loss of a relationship or something sad that happens. But, but I look at it a little bit more holistically in, in the sense that our hearts are broken. Another word for heart in the scripture is your mind. Our minds are broken. They don't think right. They don't work right. They don't respond to life right all the time. And Jesus came to heal that brokenness so that we can respond with a sound mind. A sound mind is one that just functions properly. It's one that has the wisdom that it needs or it has responsibility. The ability to respond in the right way. That's a sound mind. God wants us to have that stronghold of power, love, and a sound mind. Give us that, Lord. Amen? Amen. So now as we, we're teaching this, and as we taught last week, think of this as, as a path to walk and not just a formula to work. I don't, I don't like us looking at things like, okay, if I do this, then God's, God's going to do that. That's a pretty good catch. When I caught it twice. <laughs> Don't look at it as a formula. That's kind of a legalistic way of looking at Scripture. It doesn't really work that way. It's, it's like, you know, Sandy and I are married, but we, we can look at our relationship as a, as a legal union, and it is that. Or we can look at ourselves at a, as a relationship that we're hearts working this out and walking this out together. It's a big difference. Because how many of you guys would recommend if, if you're having an argument with your wife that you throw the marriage certificate on the table and said, we're married. How, how is that going to work for you? You don't take the legalistic approach in handling your business like that, do you? No. 
You better not. Somebody said you better not. And that might be some good advice for all of us. Let's don't take that legalistic approach with God either. It's more like a relationship, and it's not a formula that we learn to work. God's not a vending machine where you put the money in and the stuff shoots out. He's not that at all. It's a relationship and a path that we walk, and as we walk that path, things come. He blesses. He provides. You got it? That's just a real important little nuance for me. In Luke 1, 79, it says this. Speaking of Jesus coming, it's, this is Zechariah speaking. Remember Zechariah, or Zacharias, who was John the Baptist's father? Remember that? He spoke. In fact, these are some of the first words he spoke for nine months. Well, imagine this, ladies. You're pregnant with the forerunner of the Messiah, and you're going through all your pregnancy, and your husband can't complain about one single thing. How about that? That's what happened to John, or John's father, Zacharias. He was struck mute by the angel because he didn't believe, but these are some of the first words that came out of his mouth after John was born, John the Baptist was born. Speaking of Messiah, he says this, He came to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. To guide our feet into the path of peace. That's when Jesus came. Now, when I come across a scripture like that, instantly I stop and I pray it. I just say, Lord, will you please guide my feet into the path of peace? I need some guidance in that area, don't you? Because I found a bunch of paths on my own, and they were kind of chaotic. It wasn't the right path, was it? Lord, guide our paths. Guide our feet into the path of peace. Help us, Lord. All right, let's get to 1 Peter 5. All right? Starting at verse number 5. Can you stand with me as we read this together? 1 Peter 5. Let's read 5 through 9, and we're going to pay close attention to verse number 7, and then just kind of go back and pull it all back together. All right. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Lord, we thank you for your word. Make it bread. Lord, give us our daily bread today, and may it give us strength in our spirits to do what you called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated, gang. Cares. We all got them, right? They come in the form of financial struggles, difficulties, um, Jobs, problems, all kinds of stuff. Sometimes it's physical ailments. Sometimes it's physical problems. Let me get this here. I want to show you just a kind of a crude example of how the mind and the body work concerning cares. You know, we kind of have an accumulation effect. And kind of what came to mind when I, when, I, when I was studying through this is, you know, the bridges that we cross. Oftentimes you see a, a sign that says uh, load capacity or something like that on a bridge. And a bridge can only take so much before it begins to break down, right? Well, your body and your mind are kind of the same way. You've got a load capacity in your mind. There's a load capacity even in your physical body concerning the cares of your life. And, and it kind of works like, kind of like this balloon. You know, you get, get some cares going on. <laughs> Hope I don't pass out. <laughs> you, you get some things going on and it, it begins to accumulate a little bit. Things begin to happen in your life. Build up, 
some little family struggles. Kids, that's all we need to say. <laughs> Stuff just happens. Your mind can only take so much. And, and then you begin to show signs of overload. You know what some of the signs of overload are? Just kind of edgy, grumpy. Somebody said, did you wake up grumpy this morning? I said, no, I let him sleep. <laughs> Agitation, depression begins to sit in. Your nervous system begins to break down. Your quality of life begins to lessen. Physical sickness can be a real big sign of stress, can it? That kind of anxiety. They're teaching us more and more about that kind of thing, that connection between mind and body. It can lead to substance abuse because you're just trying to get some relief somehow. It can lead to all kinds of, even sin can be triggered through all this, this kind of stress. You're trying to find some avenue to get a release. Hopelessness. And eventually, what happens? For anybody, what happens? Are you ready? <laughs> Boom, you get a breaking point, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mr. Deborah, sorry about that. <laughs> Your mind works that way. Your body will work that way. You'll find a breaking point if you don't know how to deal with your cares, the cares of this life. So this is another pathway. This is a a path we can walk again to help us deal with with our cares. Go back to verse number five right here. He starts talking about this this thing that's kind of perplexing to us, even as as Christians. It's all in the Bible, but we don't really have a good handle on it. He starts talking about this idea of humility. Humility. You heard about the guy who got the award for being the most humble on campus? They took it away from him because he wore it, you know? We'll catch up with you later. <laughs> Humility is kind of that thing that when you know you got it, you lose it. It's, it's kind of one of those weird things, isn't it? Uh, but the Bible talks a lot about humility, and it really becomes a posture of our heart, especially towards people and towards God. It, it says some things about humility in these few verses in verse 5 and 6. It says to be clothed with humility. Let, let your mind and your heart, your life and everything that's about you be covered or clothed with humility. That sounds like it must be pretty important. Something else about humility, it says that God gives grace to the humble. It also says that he does what to the proud? He resists the proud. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Now, I don't, I don't know how many enemies you have, but I know one enemy you don't want to have is God. And imagine that you need him as your source for everything, and God stiff arms you and resists you. That, that's, you're not going to break that. So it's, it must be real important to God that our hearts be postured in this humility, this humbleness of heart. He says right here, he says, to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Hmm. It, it doesn't mean the, it, just not the, the oppressive hand or the heavy hand of God, but it's the mighty hand of God. And, and when you're humble, that hand is, is mighty, but it's turned in your favor. That's what he's telling us, to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. To humble means to be abased, to make yourself lowly of heart or attitude. It's the ability to not think of yourself. Hmm. Now, you think about this because we're all eat up with the other side. What's the opposite of humility? What would that be? Talk to me. It'd be proud, to be to be prideful, to have pride, right? That's the opposite. And there's, there's a good form of pride where you take care of what you got. Then the scripture talks about a bad form of pride that is actually the problem of the world, really. 
It's the problem of the human heart. But here's the idea of to think or to not think of yourself or to think of yourself less. Because any time, it's, it's kind of like we treat life like this. If I was to hand you your old high school annual or you were to hand me mine, what would be the first thing I would want to see? What's the first thing? I, the picture of, of me. I, because I'm, I'm thinking of myself when, when you hand me something like that. I'm looking for myself. When we go into buildings, we go into to, to meetings and all that kind of thing, we're often so conscious of ourselves. Well, the kingdom doesn't really work like that. The kingdom works when you become more aware of other people than you are of yourself. When you become more aware of God than you are of even yourself. That's one way our heart begins to posture itself in humility. Now, it says right there to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. It, it, it simply, I, I think it means to be dependent and submitted to him. To the fact that you will do what he says. Seek what he wants. Love God with all your heart is what the scripture says. When you love God, that means you do what's best for God. Then he says to love your neighbor. That means you do what's best for your neighbor. Now the picture of humility is this, to bow before a king. We're not in the day of kings, but if, if a king was up here on his throne and you came in the door, what you would do is upon his request, you would make your way to him and you would grab a knee and you would bow before him, Right? And that would be an act of humility, that you would bow before that king. And, and in bowing before that king, you're giving him respect, you're giving him honor, you're abasing yourself, and you're, you're basically thanking that king for everything that he has provided for you. He's provided protection, he's provided economy, he's provided uh, all, all sorts of things for life and, and goodness in your life. And you bow before that king. Now, one way we can calibrate our hearts to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. I, I try to do it pretty consistently. I, I, I make myself do it. It's a habit. It, it, hopefully it's a good habit and not just a ritual, ritualistic kind of thing. It's a good practice for us to bow the knee before God when we pray. You believe that? Now, you can walk and talk with God. You can ride in your car and talk with God. But there are moments in your day, I, I recommend that you start your day off like that. Bow your knee before him. If you're able to bow and get up on your own by yourself without having too much assistance, bow your knee to God. Go find a knee. It, it does something to calibrate our hearts, to put us in that posture of humility. All right. So humility is important on dealing with our difficulties and our, our problems. Now, a major way we humble ourselves, according to this passage, is to cast our cares on the Lord. That, that's a major point of humility. It, it's, it's another idea of saying, God, I want you involved in my life. I want you involved in my business. I want you involved in, in, in my, my, my family. I want you involved in my home. I want you involved in my finances. I want you involved in every aspect of my life. And we, we humble ourselves before God by casting our cares upon Him. Did you know that when you and I do life on our own without God's help, without His input, Without his counsel, without his wisdom, it's evidence of a prideful heart. Prayerlessness is sin because in the ultimate, prayerlessness is pride. Prayerlessness is, I've got this, God. I'll call you when I need you. You understand that? There's a big deal about that. So casting our cares upon the Lord is one way. I'm reminded of when Lily was young. She liked to dress herself, and you'd go to help her, and 
you know, she had this thing that she did. She, she'd say, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And she said it all real fast in one word. I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. You reach down to help put her shoe. I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. Just try to put her shoe. I'll do it, I'll do it. Anybody got kids like this? <laughs> and so she would do it. She would come out and her shoes would be on the wrong foot, shirt on backwards, pants can't get buttoned, all that kind of stuff. She did it. Okay, so I'm, I'm fussing with her one day about all this kind of stuff. And she comes out and I, I just get frustrated. And she comes out and this I do it, I do it, I do it. And, and the Lord spoke to my heart and said, that's the way you treat me all the time. You'll do it. And I see you, you come here, you got shoes on the wrong feet, can't walk right, shirt on backwards, looking a mess. You know, prayerlessness is a problem. And if you're not involving God, it's like that little child looking at you in defiance, saying, I'll do it. I don't need your help. Now, you would never tell God that on purpose. Well, most people, most in this room would not. Tell God, I don't need your help on purpose. But through your silence and lack of communication with him, that's what we're telling him. I'll do it. Hmm. Now, casting. I'm going to give you some pictures here, some ideas that, that may just help you with this casting your cares thing. The idea of casting is, is to throw or to throw up on or to transfer the load. It's the idea of taking the burden off of you and placing it somewhere else. Okay? Here's, here's a picture for you. When, when I get stressed out, I, I don't know why, I, you may do the same thing, but I often clench my hands. I clench my fist. It's, it's just when tension enters my body, it kind of comes right out my hands right here. And I've trained a lot in doing boxing and things like that. So it's, it, it kind of is a natural, unfortunately, it's a natural kind of tendency to clench my hands. And one, one way I deal with the cares, I, I oftentimes catch myself. I notice if, if I'm praying about a situation or a difficulty or struggle that I'm personally having or something that's real close to me, I, I, my, I look down and my hands are clenched. This is something I've learned to do. Okay? I wish I'd learned it earlier. I've learned to take those clenched hands and throw them to the Lord. Now, I don't know about you. I mean, I, these little physical things help me because I, I need to connect the dots. You know, I, I'm waiting on them to come out of the Bible in crayon. I need it really plain and really simple. You know what I'm talking about? I need it plain and simple. But when, when my hands clench and I, I know I'm, I'm grabbing a hold of something that I don't need to hold on to, I open up my hands. I recommend that you learn to pray with open hands. Now, you may even want to carry it as far as, as this. Gra grab that figuratively. Grab that, that need in your mind. Say, let's say it's financial. Let's say we've got a, a money struggle. There's a, there's a problem and we, we need some help. Grab that thing. Grab that, that financial problem. Grab it and cast it. Throw it. Throw it to Jesus. Just say, Lord, this belongs to you. This is yours. Now, I'm not asking you to throw your kids. Don't do anything like that. But <laughs> and he, I found out he won't take them back anyway. Not like that. <laughs> Never mind. I'm on these kids these days. How about that? <laughs> Cast it upon the Lord. Maybe you want to try that. Maybe you want to try. Maybe in a, in a setting where you can't really do it, like, like real demonstratively, maybe you can just, where you're at, just say, Lord, that belongs to you. Open that hand. Push it to him. Give it to him. Amen. It's, it's just helped me. I've learned to open up my hands and push it to Jesus as I pray. It's casting. I mean, he's giving us some real important life advice. This is like a life lesson. This is like a, a life skill that you've got to learn or else you're going to end up like that balloon. 
It's going to pop. Hmm. Here's another picture. Okay, you're carrying a heavy load. Right? You got a heavy load. It's getting to be too much. You know, some loads we can carry for a little while, and some of them we do. But sometimes the accumulation gets so much, you got a heavy load. One, one idea of casting is this, is that you take what's, what you're carrying and you transfer that weight. In, in Bible days, they would have transferred it to a camel, to a donkey, to an oxen, or a mule, or something like that, right? A horse, they, they would have transferred it to something like that. And the idea is to take the cares and to transfer the load. You, you've seen that? Well, today we throw it in the back of the pickup truck, right? But the same idea. You've you got a load you're carrying, and you may have can carry it so far, but now you need help to carry the rest of the way to the house. So what do you do? You, you cast it upon your beast of burden, your Ford F-150 for us, right? And you, you transfer the load. How would you do that? Well, pretty simple. Just take that, transfer that load. All right. Now think about that with your troubles. You take your troubles, and, and in prayer, literally. So here's what I do. Is I, is I, I, I try to, either I'm doing the casting thing, throwing it, or I take my cares, and when I'm praying, I just lean. Just roll it off. It's heavy. It's heavy, Lord. That's tough on me. What happens if we carry a load as human beings? What happens if we carry a load too long? You get tired. You get weary. You, you, you're not made to carry stuff. You're not, that, that mule is made to carry stuff. It's set on four legs with a humpback or a swayback. It can carry a load. You're not made like that. Physically, you're not made like that. Mentally, you're not made like that. You're not meant to carry your cares. You're not meant to carry your troubles. And Jesus is standing there and said, cast, I'll take that. If you'll transfer it. If you'll cast it, I'll take it. That's what Jesus would say. You got it? All right. Learn to transfer the load. All right? So now where do we cast our cares? Where do we cast them? It's real simple. Casting your cares upon him, upon Jesus, for he cares for you. So, so maybe you try those physical exercises. Maybe, maybe they'll help you. Uh, maybe that's just, for me, it, it helps me. Learn to throw it. Push it off to Jesus. This, this belongs to you. Maybe you got a name for that care. We, we laid some things here at the foot of the cross. That, that's one way we, we cast those needs upon him. Learn to do that. Stop clenching and grasping. Stop holding on to it. Because you know what? Most of the cares that's heavy upon your heart you don't have the wisdom to figure it out anyway. Really, we don't. Roll it on to Jesus. Now, Peter gives us this revelation. He says, cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And that's a real revelation now. That's a real revelation that has to strike your spirit. For he cares for you. I wonder why Peter said this. Could Peter have been remembering a little bit? Remember in the boat with the storm? Remember that deal? And they asked him, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you care that we're dying? And then Jesus gets up and says, Peace, be still. Could, could Peter have been remembering some of the times that Jesus personally cared for him? Is that why he said this? <laughs> could he be speaking from a, a deep well of experience right here? He says, You know why you need to give that to Jesus? He really does care for you. I've seen him time and time again. Peter would tell us if we sat down and had coffee with him. He'd tell us time and time again. Now, now think about Peter. Now, Peter is also the guy who denied the Lord three times. 
He quit the ministry. Jesus tracked him down and restored him. So when Peter says he cares for you, he's not talking like a preacher who is distant from life and just come out of seminary and doesn't know anything about any of your, your business. He's talking like a man who has hit rock bottom and knows exactly how to get his help. And he says he really does care for you. Now it's not that just God cares in general. God cares for you. God honors specific faith, not just general faith. But specific faith. You be specific about your cares. The things that are bothering you. Believe that he cares for you. Fill in the blank. He cares about this in my life. You, whatever it is, you fill it in. Your business, your life, your, whatever. Physical problems, difficulties, your emotions, your struggles. He cares for you. You fill it in. All of your hurt, all of your pain, all of your sickness, your ailments, your children, your job. He cares for you. List in your specific troubles. Cast them upon him. Be specific about it. And you'll begin to see some relief. you begin to, to feel some, what, what, what the relief is, is peace. Because the load is lightening. All right. As he begins, continues to unpack this, he says to be sober and to be vigilant. So cast all your cares. Now he gets into this idea of being sober. To be sober means to be alert. It means to be sharp. Calm and keen, ready, right? You're, you're ready. When you're sober, you're at peace, and you're ready to do whatever you need to do. He says to be vigilant. That's another idea of being ready and awake, alert, and watchful. Now, this idea of sober, what, what's the opposite of being sober? Not to be rude or crude, but what's the opposite of being sober? Mm-hmm. It's to be drunk or intoxicated, right? Now, I, I want to make this connection between casting your cares your adversary, and this idea of being sober, make the connection that when you cast your cares on Jesus, you can be sober and at peace and ready for life. Jesus keeps us sober about life. He keeps us, we could say it, he keeps us calm and he keeps us at peace. He keeps us ready to handle life. Otherwise, the cares of this life intoxicate us. And the adversary will make sure that they do. They intoxicate you. So you're not sober. Now you're intoxicated with cares. And, and you know how the mind gets when it gets intoxicated with something? It gets obsessive about it, doesn't it? It just can't let it go. It'll disturb your sleep. It'll disturb all of your relationships. Uh, you, you'll, you'll act funny everywhere you go. Now let, let's just think about this. Cares intoxicate the mind. Now, again, not to be rude or crude, but to draw the point, what are some characteristics of, of intoxication? And let's just make some analogies with all this. What's some characteristic, characteristics of intoxication? What happens when a person is intoxicated? They can't talk right. Somebody said speech. They slur their speech. They can't talk right. So when your cares begin to flood the mind and begin to devour the mind and, and soak up the mind and, and really swallow up the mind and all of your sanity and that soundness of mind we talked about, when cares come, you can't talk right. Everything's negative. Everything's down. It don't matter. I mean, you, you, you can go to Chick-fil-A and not have a good time. That's hard to do. <laughs> what else? What else is some characteristics of people that are intoxicated? They can't think right. Your cares just, they, 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 they make you foggy, don't they? What else? You can't, you can't walk right. You, got care, you can't walk right. You can't walk with people right. You won't walk with God right. See, this is a big deal. This is a real big deal. What else? You're belligerent. Hmm. Your vision. 
You can't see right. You can't see. You begin to lose hope. Clarity. Confusion comes in. You're belligerent. Your emotions it's just go crazy. Uh, cares do that. You get, you get the point? So the Apostle Peter is teaching us how to handle the cares so that the cares don't handle you. How, how to lighten the load so that you don't get intoxicated in your mind with all the things so that you can approach life sober and vigilantly because you've got an adversary that's going to eat your lunch. When you, don't, when you can't walk right, you can't talk right, you can't see right, he's going to eat your lunch. All right, you, you get the point. We, we could go on and on about that, but you get the point. So the adversary's coming, and he wants to intoxicate or devour you with your problems. The idea of devour is to, to drown or to swallow you up. And we, we have some verbiage for that kind of stuff. You, you ever feel like you're drowning in your problems? Well, sometimes we do. Feel like you're being swallowed up? The remedy is call the lifeguard. Cast your cares on Jesus. 5 9 says this resist him, the adversary, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Submit to God, resist the devil. And one of the ways we resist, we resist all that devouring, all that trying to swallow us up and drown us. Cast your cares on Jesus. Amen. You were not designed to solve. And fix all your problems. Number one, you're not smart enough. I'm not smart enough. Number two, you're not strong enough. You can't carry that weight by yourself. So Jesus has provided a way, designed a way. This is the manufacturer's design. You got troubles, you cast them my way. You give them to me. You're not designed to live a life apart from God. Not any area of your life is designed to live without God's wisdom and without God's life and without God's blessing. Adam and Eve are in the garden. The very first thing that God does with them is it says that he blessed them. You cannot live without God's blessing. Now you can exist and you can, you can have some years, but you won't know what life's all about. You need Christ. And Christ said, I want you to bring your cares. He made a way for you to live in peace. Amen. So no matter what it is, if it's a sin, if it's a besetting sin, a besetting sin, that's, that's another way of uh, maybe an addiction, something like that. If it's a worry, if it's an anxiety, if it's a fear, if it's a doubt, if, if it's your family or your finances, your job, any, any life stuff, maybe it's a relationship, your marriage, your children, a specific child, Jesus says, I'll take it. If you cast it. That's good news, man. That's good news. So here we go. This belongs to you. This one's yours. Now what if you did that with everything? That doesn't mean you're aloof. Now it means you're sober and ready to really live. Right? Cast your cares off on him, for he cares for you.